and welcome to today's Dell Technologies podcast, in which we'll look at how organisations can monetize the edge of their networks. We'll be looking at exactly what is meant by the network edge and how your business can benefit by developing the right edge strategy. And we'll take a look at data ops, a collaborative approach to data management that improves the integration and automation of data flows between data managers and data consumers across an organisation. My name is Stephen Fennick. I'm a long-time tech journalist and regular TV and radio presenter. To explain how Dell Technologies enables you to monetize your network edge, I'll be joined by AJ Masagi, Dell Technologies Chief Technology Officer for Healthcare and Life Sciences across Asia Pacific and Japan. Now, AJ is a huge Star Wars fan. In fact, I'm not sure the word fan does him justice. His Tesla license plate is my R2D2. Star Wars and a Tesla, a man after my own heart. Thanks, Stephen. These are not the drones you're looking for, by the way, Stephen. <laughs> Before we start, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of our country and acknowledge their continuing connection to land, water and community. We acknowledge the culture, the history and the languages of our First Nation peoples and pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We'd also like to thank our partner, Windows Server 2022, be cloud ready with hybrid. Okay, AJ, let's kick things off. How are you going? Uh, well, thanks, Stephen. Thank you for that intro. Really excited to be here and uh, hello to all your audiences. Now, if I look for definitions of the network edge, most are along the lines of it's where an organization's network interfaces to the internet. But Dell defines it as where data is acted on near the points of creation to create immediate essential value. That's a very different definition. Can you unpack it for us? It is. It is a, it is a different definition. And it's one that's been evolving. The, the, the former definition that you provided is, is, is the original and it's been with us for, for decades. Where we're at today, Stephen, um, you know, the, the decision makings are the things, the faster decision makings are one of the characteristics of successful businesses. By that, I mean, wherever information is created, data is created, translated to information, and that information is used as an input towards faster, better decision making for the business, then, then obviously you'd want, you'd want that to be done closer to where that data is being created. And for us at Dell, we, we believe that um, whenever you can make those decisions quicker, to the source of that data, then you have a much better competitive advantage. Now, edge computing has been described as technology's next great frontier. How should organizations approach edge and what challenges could they face? Yeah, look, certainly, um, you know, edge edge by itself is is a terminology that's, that's, again, as I said, has evolved over the past decade or so. It's nothing that, uh, really new. The data has been getting created in, in various parts of the businesses all along. Now, the speed at which that data has been getting created these days is significantly faster. Uh, the, the, we, are, we are certainly keeping that data a lot longer and we're doing uh, a lot more with it as well these days. Um, I guess... 
the things to keep in mind is the context of that that information and how quickly you're going to act upon it. You know, if I were to just give you a few a few examples of a couple of couple of use cases that that we can use when we look at the the, the my R two D two or the Tesla that we discussed earlier, um, I was part of a, um, a part of an uh, a exercise with with one of the local universities where we actually used some of the onboard computing within the Tesla to make decisions about my everyday journey to work, school drop-off, so on and so forth, as a result of integration of that uh, that Tesla with my calendar and the behaviors that the AI had had built up for me. So as I'm driving off to drop off my, my daughter, you know, it, it knows my behaviors and it knows that I like a good boost juice. And it says, um, you know, hey, there, there, there is an opportunity for you to drop off here and, and quickly get a boost juice, which is on special. Now, if you think about where that decision is being made, traditionally that data would have been taken out of that sensor, sent back to the cloud, and then that decision be, been, been sent back to me. That decision is now taking place right there and then on, on the Tesla. I'll even go one step further. The collision detection and collision avoidance system that's on that Tesla works needs to make decisions right there and then about stopping if, if a child jumps in, in front of the car. So you can see that the value of that data, where it's being created and where it's being consumed and that decision is being make, made it, it are the things that are making it really valuable. And now that data is not over time. And, and by over time, I mean seconds and minutes, it's going to value of it is going to diminish. And then over days and weeks, the value of it is going to increase because it's now starting to being build long-term um, profile of my driving, the, the the routes that I take, so on and so forth. So that's that's one example that I can share with you. I'm more than happy to share a few other examples as well. well what about the rewards of edge computing, AJ? Can you go into a bit more detail about that? Uh, absolutely. I mean, when we talk about monetization of uh, of edge, we 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 got to understand that. Look, so sometimes it's not all about the money. Sometimes it's about the extra service um, or the quality of experience that you want to provide your your end user, right? Um, and uh, to give you another example, you know. I was part of another study which used a wearable device, very similar to the one that I've got here, um, which basically monitors, it, it's called a whoop strap uh, for, for your listeners, very similar to a Garmin device, very similar to ordering. Um, what it does, it, it basically monitors a whole lot of vital signs of, uh, from, from me. Um, and it starts doing that in real time in a way that I can refer to it at any point in time and start seeing some trends with my health, uh, short-term trends and long-term trends. Uh, far, let's rewind the clock back to New Year's Eve. That's when I caught COVID like many of your other listeners. Um, and, um, you know, to, towards midnight, um, I was, my chest was starting to feel really tight and I started to get worried. I called in the emergency services and I started discussing my, my position with, with uh, one of the nurses. And the nurse was starting to ask some basic questions and I started feeding her data, right? My respiratory rate, my heart rate, my, my body temperature, uh, my heart rate variability. And then the nurse on the call, Stephen said, hang on a minute, AJ, where are you? And I said, I'm at home. And she said, so where are you getting this information from? And I said, well, this, this is my whoop strap. That's what it's giving me. It's real-time data. And he, she said, you know what, AJ? Don't bother going into emergency services. You've got a bad case of COVID. You need to rest up, get lots of fluids, 
get your Panadol and just stay there. Now, I'll tell you what, if your respiratory rate that you're telling me currently is around 19, if it goes over 20, give us a call. If your resting heart rate, which is now at, you know, my resting heart rate usually around 45. My resting heart rate at that time was at 76. And she said, if it starts getting close to 80, give us a call. Now, the conversation then took a slightly different turn because, uh, and this is when we talk about the value to that, uh, that it could add to organizations, that she said, AJ, imagine if this cheap device could be given to individuals in need and we could make decisions on a call whether someone needs to attend an emergency ward and, and contribute to an already exhausted healthcare system, right? And the value proposition starts changing about what that data is doing. Now, that data, again, Stephen, um, meant a lot at that point in time. Five minutes later, the value of that heart rate didn't mean anything to me because you know my heart rate could have I could have had a cardiac arrest, right? Um, and, and a little bit sooner, it couldn't have meant something else to me, right? So 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 that that's that's where we start seeing the value being added to organization, not just through monetization, but through additional value to the customer experience, patient experience, so on and so forth. Now, AJ, I saw the other day that IDC is predicting 50% of infrastructure deployments will be at the network edge by 2023. What's driving this? It's it's data, Stephen. The, 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 the pace at which data is, is being generated um, is, is significantly increased. Now, uh, we, we've gone from days where, you know, we used to generate hundreds of meg to almost terabytes of data. We, we, we're now getting in a, to, a, to an era that we generated zettabytes of data. That That's a lot. And that data is uh, getting that data converted to information, to valuable information, contextualizing it uh, to, to the right point in time, to the right process, to the right business process, and getting valuable insights out of it um, are the things that are generating the demand and, and customers, businesses wanting more of it. They can't get enough of it. Are most edge deployments reactionary or are they are there organizations taking a more strategic approach? If it's the latter, what should you be looking at when deploying uh, the edge strategy? Look, the, the, the reactionary type of scenarios, and there, there are a few of them, um, are those where organizations have had access to certain data for a long time, and now all of a sudden, they're, they're introducing data scientists, data analysts to the existing business processes and saying, what can we do with this, with this data? Some of your listeners probably would have uh, been familiar with the terminology such as data warehousing or data lakes, and that, that, that's certainly continuing to, to take place. And this is, it's, it's where I refer to uh, analytics on steroids, right? Whereas customers that are taking more of a strategic view about data are starting to introduce business processes or introduce new technology processes such that that um, data can become, can, can be used more um, consistently in their everyday practices. Well, what do I mean by that? Um, you don't want to go away and create a separate business unit Right, and then add additional overhead with tooling and platforms to do something off the side. Well, you might want to do it for a little while, but you want to be able to do that consistently, consistently, I should say, um, across the rest of your 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 platform. So, the the application management platforms that you're using, the security layers that you're using, the infrastructure management that you're using, the skill sets that you want to use, you want that to be consistent everywhere, and you don't want that to be to be to become this bespoke. Uh, 
um, part of your business, which then later on becomes an overhead that you need to have different operating models for different skill sets to work. So that consistency is really important. Now, organizations initially might do that. They might kick off a little project on the side to, to test things out. But the ones that get serious about data will start embedding those businesses into their existing processes and mature their existing operating models to be able to, to adopt those mindsets. Now, as soon as you start putting compute power and data at the network edge, you increase your exposure to attack, and I imagine you're likely to have less control of the network boundary. So how do organizations make sure that A, that the network edge is secure, and B, make sure the edge is not used to gain access to more important core resources? Well, you know, data data is king. Whenever there is where there's data, there's always uh, bad actors, as we would like to call it, uh, that are there to take advantage of that data, um, whether it be uh, you know for, for for whatever reasons, and we, we which we won't get into it. But protection of that data needs to be a uh, a more more of than 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 afterthought. Traditionally, in IT, we used to deploy solutions, design it in such a way where it used to give us some of the functional requirements, and then as an afterthought, we put these security layers around it. You know that you know the hard shell. Um, the, you know the firewalls, the network perimeter devices were always giving us those um, those that that sense of security. Uh, lo- a lot of the attacks these days, uh, Stephen, are coming from within the organisations. Uh, sometimes these uh, organisations are infiltrating the network and they're leaving their viruses to sit there for months and on and end and before they start the attack. Uh, whether you know it or not, that's a different story. But the ability to do uh, this this mindset of secure by design or security at the core of everything that you do has to be there. And at Dell, we, we do that quite well. Our products, our services have compliance ticks against, against them with all the various um, uh, standards, security standards that, that various industries uh, or regulatory bodies re- require. So, so really making sure uh, that security is at the center of everything that you do. And also the services and the tools and the platforms that your organization uses um, is not against some some bespoke capability. It's an extension of your your already your your existing platforms, right? Whether it be your firewalling, network detection, intrusion detection, intrusion prevention, um, two-factor authentication, whatever capability you use, it has to get extended to to those uh, edge edge devices as well. So when you start putting resources at the network edge, it must surely increase management challenges and costs. So you'd have to look after resources in multiple locations, um, some of which might be quite remote. So how can these be minimised? Uh, absolutely, and this is this is uh, this is a really good segue to, or, or to to expand on what I was just mentioning to you, Stephen. Um, if you start d- deploying bespoke platforms, bespoke um, uh, services, bespoke processes and skill sets uh, to look after your edge solutions, your edge platforms, edge capabilities, then it becomes really um, uh, tricky for you to manage. And the overhead from a, from a cost point of view, is, it's going gonna, it's gonna to blow out very quickly. But if you start embracing those new uh, technologies, whatever you be your new data platform into, into existing processes, then, then it becomes something that you can extend for, for a long period of time and get better better ROI effectively. Well, on that note, how are customers weighing up costs v benefits and calculating that ROI when it comes to edge computing? 
It, some things never change, Stephen. The, the business cases that you, you write these days about edge and, and the monetization of that that capability are, are the things that um, you, you, you have to look at. If you're making faster decisions for your customers, if you are helping your customer have a better experience, those are the things that help you quantify the benefits, right? Um, and, you know, the, the, the days are gone where you have to wait 12 months, 18 months for the benefits to be realized. You want the benefits to be realized within three to six months sometimes, or at least you want your minimum viable product to, to start showing the, the, the potential within, within the first few months. Now, we get into areas such as um, data ops. It's a, it's a new new um, terminology that we use. Um, you know, what, what, what uh, DevOps did to application development, it allowed organizations to start introducing new features to the application stack much, much quicker. Uh, SecOps, what SecOps did was, 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 was amazing for the security space. Now, data ops was, is, a, is a new, more than a concept that we use to, to say that when you start consuming your, your data, if you have the right resources and the right uh, processes to be able to decide quickly what that data is doing for your business, whether it's generating a new product or a new service or changing your customer's experience, the sooner you can do that, the sooner you're going to realize the benefit of it. And, and this, this, this cycle repeats itself. The, the key is to make that cycle as quick as possible. You don't want this cycle to be months. You want this cycle to be days and weeks. And a lot of organizations successfully are doing that and they're reaping the benefits and, and they're getting that ROI. Can you give me an example of how an organization can leverage edge computing for competitive advantage? Well, I mean, the example that I gave you with the with the Tesla was 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 one. You know, we're seeing the you know the the electronic electric vehicles um, starting to become less about the engines and the horsepowers and more about the technology that's on them, um, self driving capability, um, the 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 level of safety that that you know car A versus car B can bring. Uh, it's all going to come down to the type of sensory um, that sensory uh, sensors that 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 that. You know, car A versus car B has. So that's at the introductory level and maturity level one. Maturity level two and three, what you do with that data, how quickly you start processing it and how quickly you're able to make better decisions for, for the driver. That's the next layer. Then you start getting into other layers of integrating other applications, uh, whether it be entertainment through through applications like Spotify. What does AJ like to hear? When does he like to hear it? Um, and you know, or, or you know, the the the, the uh, scenario that I shared with you before. You know, um, using AI to to build a profile of my behaviors and start suggesting not just other routes, but where I should stop for certain purchases. And this is this is where that competitive edge. Can, can, can be gained. Is there a specific example of edge computing within the community? Like anything that may not be general knowledge, but it's helping us in a big way? The example that I shared with you around those wearable devices, there's currently a study going on where um, the, the, the wearable device is being shared with children who have a high risk of asthma. Um, now the data on this wearable device is is being shared with a virtual care platform, um, which effectively links the uh, the parents, the the teachers, 
the the local healthcare community, the specialists, the ambulance services together. So they all have a single dashboard, and the AI on that device, on the edge, I should say, is able to use um, predictive analysis to say, hey, listen, this child's breathing rate has now ch is now change changing. Um, the, the, the body temperature is changing. And there are some markers that you can, AI can look for to start predicting, you know, 10, 15, 20 minutes earlier than, than when an asthma attack would potentially hit, that this child might be in danger, right? And depending on where they are, if they're at school, the, the, the nurse gets alerted. If they're at home, the parents know. If they're outside, the coach gets alerted. So the entire community is aware of what's going on with this child. Now, you, you, you think about how this used to take place pre, pre, previously. It was very reactionary. By the time a child was gasping for air, uh, either a teacher or a parent was, was notified of this situation or, or a coach or a caretaker. And by that time, this, this ecosystem of ambulance services, emergency services, local care had to come together through phone calls and God knows what processes, which by that time, sometimes it was a bit too late to, to react and respond to that case. And, and this is one example, which I'm really proud of in healthcare. We're starting to see EDGE make those decisions really quicker and, and bring the entire ecosystem together. What's the connection between data ops and the network EDGE and EDGE computing? Data ops is really uh, all about the ability to be able to take that data at its source, where it's getting created, and as quickly as possible, make some decisions as to the value of that data, the context of that data, how it's being generated, how it's, it can be used. Um, and that, that's really important. You know, the context of data within different parts of your organizations could totally mean different, different outcomes. Um, the security overlay that you put on top of it, and as, and as I discussed with you before, what you do with it, how quickly you make that decision and how quickly you go back to the start of the cycle and say, well, that data was valuable or not. Do I need more of it or do I need a slightly different variation of that data to make better decisions? Um, it's, it's really that cycle that, that data ops is introducing into uh, as, as an overlay to application development. Um, and as a result, we're starting to see uh, massive demand for data scientists, data analysts, uh, individuals who are able to um, bridge the gap between the IT side and the OT side of businesses and get those two to work a lot closer with each other to be able to get that competitive advantage and faster product life cycles, uh, uh, better service uh, experiences, so on and so forth. Finally, AJ, what's one thing you'd like to leave our listeners with today? Stephen, I'd like your um, listeners to to really consider this notion that when you whenever you introduce a new technology, they, 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 uh, edge technology being the, the example here, you don't want that technology to become an overhead. By that I mean. Um, the way you're managing your applications, your infrastructure, your storage, your backup, whether it be at the cloud, whether it be at the core, whether it be at the edge, I'm a cloud, I mean public or private, regardless of whatever definition you have, you want to be doing performing those, um, the, the, the management of those environments, uh, the provisioning of those environments, capacity planning, performance management of those environments consistently. What you don't want to do is you don't want to go out there and create these bespoke environments that then all of a sudden become an overhead. That consistency, day one, 
will ensure that over time, as the capability grows, you can you can speed up a lot quicker, and you don't have to come back to it later on and try and create that consistency. So try and do that from day one, uh, and and you will reap many benefits. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks to our speaker, AJ Masagi, for giving us so much insight into Dell Technologies Edge Computing. Thank you once again to our sponsor, Windows Server 2022. Your business is unique and your server environment should be too. With the hybrid server option presented by Windows Server 2022, you get the best of both worlds. The cost effectiveness, scalability and flexibility of the cloud with the control, performance and lower latency of an on-premise server environment. Thanks again for listening. Goodbye and have a great day.